0: Today we talk with the CEO of a family business that has found success in printing products, and wants to share that success with the community by donating one percent of all online sales to local charities. I'm Matt Maury, and I'm Nathan Carroll, and welcome to Bizcast NH.
1: Matt, good morning. Good morning. Um, you know what's coming.
0: Oh, the holiday seasons oh, are upon Oh, we nailed it. Us. Nailed it. Yeah. Oh, I'm well aware. Um, um, how are we? Are we looking forward to this? Are we ready for this? Are we? Well, never ready. Are the lists Never done? ready, the, but you know? um, love the holidays. Um, you know, it's that mad dash to the end of the year. It just seems like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and it's like, Boom. okay. And then the never-ending winter enters. But yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. I mean, we love it, but it's amazing. Like um, in September, my mom was already asking me like, well, what are we doing? Are we, are you hosting? Are we hosting Thanksgiving? <laughs> I'm like, can I just get the kids off to school first? Right. And, right. You know, and then, you know, inevitably soon all the grandparents went lists, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's, it. you know, I love the holidays, but it gets a little stressful. How about yeah. you? Because I mean... I have kiddos, <laughs> but I no longer have believers, <laughs> yeah, and so oh. you have that added oh, pressure. Oh, well, we got a
1: couple of believers, and and we do a little Christmas, we do a little Hanukkah in the house. I was going to say, so it's um, it's loads of fun. And then, of course, in October, the Amazon catalog showed up, which I feel like is the new version of like the J.C. Penny catalog yes. from days of old. You know, um, certainly not as big, but it's like, you know, when that comes, then my son gets out the pen. And puts his initials next to things and circles things, and now he's got his sister doing it, and she's only three, of course. So right. he's like circling things for her, and then it's like relayed back to mom that like Sophie wants this, and and you know, and then we like we literally can pick up the Amazon catalog, and I'm like, well, there's the
0: Christmas list, well, and, and it's easier to pick out the things they didn't circle. Yeah. Like I, my sister and I, yeah. you know, JCPenney, Sears, oh, yeah. Montgomery Ward back in the day. Oh my god, those would like plop down because we were an Air Force family yeah. too. So it's not like you know we. Got got all the catalogs because Mm -hmm. that's how they got the shopping done. And I mean, we would go through and my mom's like, is there anything you two didn't circle?
1: (laughs) A thousand pages of circles. Oh my
0: God. And and my Mm. kids do the same thing when those... Mm-hmm. Glorified pamphlets come in yep, now.
1: Yep, I love that there's no prices in those things. By the way, that oh makes yeah, makes me only slightly anxious. <laughs> it's like you want all these things. Oh, geez, we'll put them on the list. Ooh. And then you go on to the, you know, to the to Amazon. And you're like, oh my god. Oh, like a thousand dollars for a camera.
0: Stop. Wait till they get older. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, we have a teenager now, oh, and the things, things he wants. Getting expensive. I'm like. Um, yeah, well, we, may, maybe you get one of those things mm. if you actually, you know, I, I can't threaten Santa anymore, but now he yeah. knows it's like, it's me, dude, okay? <laughs> I'm the fat man you need to make sure you don't <laughs> oh, get in trouble with God. if you want these things. Oh, boy. Well, here we are. Happy
1: holidays. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we'll be happy to move on to our guest this week. Speaking of which, our guest... This week is Bruce Steinberg, owner and CEO of Dover, New Hampshire-based Relico, a supplier of unique print products. Relico is a family-owned business, originally founded by Bruce's father in 1989. Prior to his time at Relico, Bruce ran a recycling company called Recycle First, which partnered with charities to help them fundraise through recycling drives for inkjet, toner, and cell phones. Bruce serves on the state of New Hampshire's District Export Council, which helps U.S. businesses export to foreign markets. He enjoys spending time at the lake and beach with his wife, Katerina, two daughters, Irina and Maya, and two Rhodesian Ridgeback dogs, Stella and Ziggy. All right. Well, Bruce, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Geez, we packed a lot into the intro, but you know what? I think what we really might want to start off by doing is just finding out really what a supplier of unique Print products is. Can you dive into that for us? Sure, I'd be happy to. Beautiful. So a supplier of
2: unique um, paper products, so what we do is we have two divisions. Okay. Uh, one of them is um, financial forms, like checks, envelopes, oh. tax f- tax forms, oh. um, you know, pressure seal that we get in a direct mail. And the other is our s- synthetic papers, um, which is... More maps, manuals, menus, signage, oh. and that's used like pro- primarily by like the U.S. military for their field manuals. And now that we moved into the temporary license plate market, so as you go forward, instead of having paper plates, they're going to be synthetic plates ah. uh, because they last longer, and you know
1: it can be read by the uh, e tolling. Okay. Oh, cool! Oh, interesting! Yeah, you kind of forgotten about the technological portion of things, but I have this—I have this visual of like. Um a hiking map, you know, like the, the Appalachian Mountain Club hiking maps or, you know, those sorts of things where they're not paper. They almost feel like a Tyvek or something like that or. That's exactly um, what we do. Oh, cool. It's, it's synthetic. So if it rains. Yeah. Or if, you know.
2: You <laughs> kind know, of if, need that
1: map if it's yeah, raining, right? You're out there. Yeah.
2: It, the last thing you want to do is have a map that's running in yeah. all different colors. And you're like, which way do we go? <laughs> uh,
1: right. Uh, how, about,
2: how, about, how about there? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's great. It's, you know, it's tear proof. It's waterproof. Uh-huh. You know, we always say it, it's virtually indestructible. So, you know, it's really for
1: for long term applications. It's it's fantastic. Cool, cool. And um, do you manufacture those or do you distribute those? What's that kind of supply chain look like there? Yeah,
2: so we have a contract manufactured for us mm-hmm. in uh, Germany. Cool. Um, so, you know, obviously that adds challenges on mm-hmm. the business side, especially right now because no one was planning for you know, the cost of manufacturing, (laughs) shipping, and fuel to go through the roof, but, uh, but you know that's where we make it, and uh, you know we
1: have some really good partners there that we've been doing business with with a long time, so nice. it works out well. Yeah. So, and we, we said in the again in the intro that your dad started the company in 1989. Um, did it start out as these synthetic papers, specialty papers, or has it did it morph from something into this? What was his journey like?
2: So his journey was he started off with the checks and the envelopes. Okay. Um, that, we really started off as a financial services paper supplier uh, back in the day, Um, we kept hearing checks are going away, (laughs) skies falling. Uh, So we we realized that probably about 15 years ago, we had to kind of look at the business and find new markets to go after. Mm -hmm. And and that's how the synthetic paper came up, because we we wanted to find a good niche that wasn't commodity. And the synthetic paper was something that kind of fit that mold. And we we understood printers, we understood paper, Mm -hmm. so it was like a natural um, addition to,
1: to our product line. Cool. I have a thousand other questions, but I'm going to let Matt ask one too because I could just keep asking him about paper for an hour.
0: Well, but I mean, to con- continue that journey um, story, how did he, what prompted him to start this business? Has he been in the industry for a while, decided mm-hmm. to strike on his own? Like what leads him to go, I'm going to start my own paper company, printing p- product company.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's not something you do, you know, you have to be a bit crazy, right? Oh yeah, especially absolutely. you know, yeah. with three young kids at home. You <laughs> right. know, my my old sister was you know, you know, thirteen. I was ten, and my brother was seven. So you have three kids you have to feed. Talking about Christmas and Hanukkah, yeah, right. and, and you know, and you and so he was in the paper industry already, and he realized you know if I go direct, I can make more money. And mm. you know, but what what I think every young entrepreneur forgets is the amount of work it's going to take so but but once you're in you're in 100%. So he kept, you know, you know, I think it was a really big grind, you know, you know, you know, for the first 3 or 4 years, you know, is barely making a living, you know, trying to every day hustling, you know, grinding trying to get that, you know, next customer. But over time, you know, you know, hard work pays off and it builds upon itself and you know, now we're 33 years of a business. So it is absolutely, you know, absolutely wonderful.
0: And what prompted you to want to join the family business? I didn't.
2: Uh, You know, I I, 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 I always. I got got sucked sucked in. I got sucked in. I I always said, you know, I'm going to blaze my own trail. I'm not going to join the family business until I'm 50. And, and, you know, because, you know, I'm my own man, right? So, So what happened was, you know, they needed help, and mm-hmm. they, I said, okay, I'm going to come in. I'll help you for one year, and that's it.
0: <laughs> now, how old are you at that time? I was 22. Okay, so yeah. So 22, so, so, okay. so it's not every 22-year-old's dream being be yeah. like, all right, the the, the family paper yeah, family company. Exactly.
2: Yeah. It's like, you know, because paper's not sexy, right? Right. So who's, you know, I want to play third base for the Red Sox. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know I, I didn't want to run a paper business, you know. Right. So, but now it's 22 years later, you know, I'm running it. I'm still here. Um. And, but it's been a great journey, you know, you know, I've never really worked for somebody for my my whole career Mm -hmm. and and it's really, you know, I've got to learn from the business. It's kind of been my, you know, my master's program and, you know, in in, in the beginning, you know, you kind of, I was given enough flexibility to take chances and, you know, make mistakes and really grow. So, so it's been a really good experience.
0: And when did you feel that mindset starting to change from, you know, the 22 year like, all right, a year, I'm in, I'll help, I'm out, and I'm going to go on my life journey, to maybe this is my life journey, and, and that being a good thing. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> you know, I don't know if I ever really took the time to think about it. What, after a year, I saw that there's still a lot of work to be done, and they still needed help. So you always say, one more year. Just w- just a, just a little bit longer, yeah, and, and then before you know it, you know you're married, you have a child and and then you're like, well, you know, I do kind of like it, and I'm I am' able to take care of my family. Mm. and if I, if I keep at this, you know, look at all the things I can turn this company into nice. and and so it becomes you know a passion and bef- before you know it, you get your ten thousand hours into it <laughs> and and, and, and uh, you're trying to find ways that you know, You know, if we invest, I can take this company from here and invest in this and then we can grow here. So it becomes really creative and, you know, and and very, the people are great. You know, as you build a team, you surround yourself with good people. And I think every company is about the people within, within the walls. And so if you people you like, you know, you're like, I'm not going to leave, you know, and go work for somebody else because I have something here that, that I've created.
1: Spoken like a true entrepreneur, yeah. people. I love that. Yeah, that's. Um, I love. Clearly, at some point, that that brain became the brain of an entrepreneur, which is pretty cool, you know. And um, so, speaking of at some point, um, you went to Boston College yes. for your uh, for your you know ed- education. Um, did you you know at, at that point were you you know, was, were you actually thinking you wanted to be, you know, a third baseman for the Red Sox or was there something else that you were, before you went to, you know, work for dad, were you, did you have your eyes on something else? I went to Boston College and I studied business with finance and computer science as nice. my degree. Nice. Um, so I thought that it's a really nice foundation for, for all of this, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Know,
2: for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew it was in business. Um, and uh, you know, I thought maybe you know, one time I was like, maybe totally different. I could do outdoor education, cool. or because uh, during college I worked for Outward Bound, mm-hmm. um, so I thought it'd be that that would be fun. But then I realized, you know, people live in yurts year round. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, so so, uh, you know. It, it's, um, it's Recycle has really been my first job, you know. Outside of Recycle First, and I had mm-hmm. that for a couple of years, and, and then we sold that off. Um, so it really was, you know, like a natural progression, I guess. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, you know, I think when you go to business school as a young kid, you you know, business is everywhere and mm-hmm. encompasses everything. And, you know, in, in the schools, they talk about big business. And I grew yeah. up in small business. Yeah. And, and I always found it weird that, you know, you know, everyone's like, oh, when I grow up, you know, I want to work for GE yeah. or GM or, right. you know, IBM. And you're like, you know, I think really the heart of business is small business, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's what I was interested in. And uh, the schools that didn't really have that as much. Mm-hmm. So, but, but,
1: it, but once I started getting into it, you know, I think I really found my place. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it is funny how the you know the business education really focuses. No, there's because there's a lot to learn from these big businesses that have maybe grown. I remember being in college and like we had a, a study in an HR class on um workplace safety at Alcoa Steel. And it was like, huh? How is this like growing a small business? You know, it's not, but you learn a lesson from it. So interesting. Interesting. Um you so you you had this this other business that you worked on, um, recycle first, that had was sort of a charitable uh, uh, piece to it. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about that, but then I want to maybe roll into um, to if that had any influence on uh, this new initiative at Relico. So tell yeah, us yeah, so recycle the first, the first business, uh, recycle first, um, what
2: we did is we sent out collection boxes. Um, to schools and businesses, churches, mm-hmm. whoever may be, hmm. to collect inkjet toner and cell phones, and we would take those back, um, and they would be refurbished and sold uh, under um, um, generic brands in sure. the in the market, and uh, and the charities got a portion of the, those proceeds. So oh, interesting. And uh, it was a really interesting business um, to to manage. You know, the supply chain, um, the charitable part of it, um, the marketing and then then also you know working with people who are going to do the refurbishment of, of the product oh yeah so you know like i say this is really where i learned business mm. you know i learned contract law i learned oh, boy. I, you know you know you know i learned um, you know foreign trade because you know our partners actually were initially doing all the refurbishment in tennessee then that moved down to mexico mm-hmm. and then just understand international laws and supply, it, it became very big, very fast. Uh-huh. And, and it was, you know, so it got to a point where, you know, you really needed a big team mm-hmm. behind it to, to understand it and run it. So that's when we sold it off. And and, and that, that, that was great. You know, it was, yeah. it was a great experience. Um, you know, I think I made every mistake um, I could have. I think I got taken advantage of by everybody, oh, no. but, 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 you know, but it really was a, a great lesson, you know, mm-hmm. like I, to have a small business that's growing, you know, it really, you know, it, because you're doing everything from sales to marketing to finance, it and, and allows you to really understand business and, and what, it, what, what it takes to be a successful business.
0: So, I mean, the, your first venture had, a, a, you know, a big charity aspect to it. And um, recently you announced the rollout of a new charity initiative at Relico. Can you talk about what it is and what prompted it?
2: Sure. So what we're doing right now is we're doing 1% of our e-commerce sales to local charities. So every quarter, we're picking a charity, and um, we are giving them 1% of the overall sales uh, to them. So the first quarter was Mary's Dogs. um, and and, uh,
0: What's Mary's Dogs?
2: It is a dog rescue. Uh, So so what we did was we we went to our staff and said, hey— What do you want to help? Mm. You know, some people said, I don't like people like animals. So, (laughs) and and then some people said, you know, let's go to, you know, in the next one, this quarter is Lydia's house, which is a rescue for women who... Uh, whether whether it's you know who need a second chance in life. Mm-hmm. Um so that's where our our charities are go- uh, our funds are going to uh, this quarter.
1: Nice.
2: And, and and we we have you know N68 hours hunger and there's a bunch of charities so every quarter we'll have somebody else. That's great. So you know we're in a very unique position to be able to give back, you know, you know, we're having success which is wonderful and you know and probably Two years ago, you know, we started looking at becoming a B Corp, mm. which is doing business for good. And we have worked with uh, the University of New Hampshire through their B Corp program, who's kind of helped us along this. And and that's been wonderful. It's, it's, it's really made us look at our charitable givings, which is something that my father put in place back in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a really part of the company as a whole, but really to formalize that process. And, you know, from everything from... External giving, but also giving back to our staff, right? Mm. So it has, to, you know, you have, and people want to do business um, and have a purpose, and it's not just not just a career, but a purpose, right? right? So if we can create a purpose for everybody around us, then I think overall, you know, we'll even have more success out there. Beautiful.
1: We'll be right back. <music> Sky Terra is one of the nation's top 50 Microsoft cloud solutions provider and we're proud to be headquartered right here in New Hampshire. Please visit us at www.skyterratech.com to see how we help companies with their IT needs so they can concentrate on their business. Okay, we are back with Bruce Steinberg from Relayco.
0: So Bruce, uh, you were just talking before the break about becoming a B Corp. When did that come to your attention that that was an option? And why was it an option you wanted to pursue? Why was it important to you? So like I said, uh, giving was always an important part of
2: Relico's founding. Um, You know, just a little history to go back backwards a little bit. You know, my father grew up without a father. His father passed away when he was six months old. Mm. And the local town and the the fathers took care of him, right? And helped raise him to to be the man that he he became. And, you know, and so once he started his business, one of the things he always wanted to do is give back to the charities that helped him so much, right? So Relico has always been part of the local community. You know, there there isn't a sports team in Dover that we don't support (laughs) or, you know, or, you know, there's, you know, we we do a Thanksgiving uh, dinner for five to 600 people. Um, wow. Every year in Dover, and then oh we feed goodness. people whether nursing homes or, or you know, people who can't afford have Thanksgiving themselves. So it's always been something we've been doing, and what we wanted to do is, I had heard about the B Corp, um, and, and you know, the, their slogan is doing business for good. Mm. I was like, we're doing business for good, so this seems like a natural add-on to what we're doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What I didn't r- realize is like. <laughs> wow, this is a big process. This yeah. is like becoming ISO certified for corporate giving, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to become a good, a good business. Um, we had a lot of the fundamental pieces in place, but what it incorporated, it wasn't just the, the giving, um, but it was also the social within, within the business, but also understanding the environmental and the supply chain of, of your products and the manufacturing processes. And that's something we didn't understand you know, we were buying from good companies, but I didn't understand how much water they used every year, or their electricity, or you know, how much they paid their people. I knew it wasn't slave labor because we were getting out of Germany, mm-hmm. but but it's but I I didn't know that stuff. Yeah. So so it really forced us to do a full audit and assessment of our business, and uh, it's it's been really eye opening, and it's been it's been really good because we we've start implementing more programs internally, like now we've rolled out a 401k match for our employees, uh, profit sharing, um, you know, we have, you know, looked at our time off, you know, and increase that. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we now we're, we've really formalized our giving programs. And um, <clears throat> I think it's wonderful, you know, so, and because we do synthetic papers, you know, you know, that's plastic, you know, we're producing mm-hmm. a lot of plastic, right. and everyone hears plastic's bad. So, obviously, um, we're looking at ways um, to reduce our plastic in our products. You know, I don't have all the answers now, but we're working towards those, mm-hmm. so. But this is
0: a long-term journey yeah. you and the business are on. Oh, to for become sure. for sure. Better corporate citizens, essentially.
2: Yes, and you know, we, we thought we were good, but then we realized we really weren't that good. Um, so So, this is helping us raise the bar. And, 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 the, and what we found internally, even with our staff, is people are energized by it. People are happy. People are excited. And, and people really like working. You know, like, you know, I think after COVID, people were kind of like, oh, you know, you're trying to find the right balance between home yeah. and at work. And right. why am I doing this? I think everyone questioned their, their reasoning behind things. And, and I think this really gives people a good reason, you know, and, and because they realize I'm not just selling paper Mm-hmm. I'm actually impacting the local community. I'm helping people out. Right,
1: that's, that's awesome.
0: So you mentioned Germany before as mm-hmm. uh, you know one of the, the locations that you have suppliers in. So you have an international footprint. Can you talk about your own export activities and then give us kind of your view of where the export market is at as um, not only a business that exports, but as a member of New Hampshire's District Export Council? Sure.
2: You know, I, I think people misunderstand, People don't understand the amount of manufacturing in the United States, mm. right? You always hear China or Vietnam or Germany, but U.S. produces a lot here. So, so the export market, obviously, you have to take the last, like, three months out with hyperinflation and the very strong dollar out of it. But on average, uh, the U.S., you know, there's a lot of demand outside of the— outside of the U.S. for our goods. You know, made in America means quality mm-hmm. to, to a lot of countries, and, and that's really important because we have, you know, high, very high standards here. So, you know, with us, you know, uh, exporting, you know, we sell a lot of our uh, products into, like, see, Scandinavia is a, a big market for us. Oh. I, I, I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> uh, so we sell a lot of products there, and obviously there's Canada and Mexico mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and we do a lot of in the Caribbean as well. You know, I, I think people w- want good companies to work with. And I think they, if they come to a company like Relico, they knew it was going to be done well to very high standards. Um, and I think that's really, really, really looked upon as something wonderful, right? Right. And New Hampshire it has a lot of, mani- you know, like a, we help New Hampshire help New Hampshire companies export more. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a lot of, you know, small to mid-sized companies who, who just, and, and the U.S. government really does help. The businesses with Department of Commerce and New Hampshire has an ec- uh, economic development group that really helps people, you know, um, with resources, matchmaking um, grants um, in order to help companies grow outside of the u s.
0: But exports have been tricky of late. you know the last couple of years between the pandemic and um, global, um, Incidents and warfare and oh, yeah. everything that's going on has really created some supply chain issues and um, sent some, a lot of companies scrambling to find new suppliers or to find ways to get products here easier, faster, uh, and running into some roadblocks. So from your point of view, what were the challenges you faced and that you've seen other New Hampshire businesses facing and what, what is the way you've been working around that?
2: I'm not, I'm not sure if we're working around it. it, 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 it you know, I don't think there's any way <laughs> around it. working through it. Working I through it, <laughs> yeah. yeah <'cause laughs> plowing through it. Plowing yeah. through it, because there's no way around it right now. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's communication, right? So with our clients, uh, you know, before everything was a 10-day lead time, and now things are 12 weeks, sometimes oh. 16 weeks. So Oof. it's just communication. I think everyone – under. you know, I think the, the media sometimes helps and sometimes hurts, right? Mm. But at least – people understand right now that everything's taking a long time it's not just us i think if it was just us uh it, it would be hard but because it's everybody um, people understand you know i i think you know with a lot of our products because plastics are all petroleum based right so so the, the the costs are going up is because people you know the first thing you say oh my god see how much it costs to fill up the car today and, you know and, and people understand in you and, and you try to teach them that you know the products we use use petroleum and you know you see, you see the four dollars a gallon and people understand you know the the why behind the cost increase mm-hmm. um, but you know it's but you know I think as a small business you kind of have to take some risks too like we have to stock up and carry more inventory mm. which is a little scarier right now because right. you, you hear keep hearing the Recession word right. being thrown away, thrown around. Um,
0: that economic uncertainty, that economic just speeding. Right. So, yeah.
2: so, so it's a fine line um, to try to like bring in enough product to hedge against that and to meet your clients' demand. Because if that changes, then. You can be stuck with a lot of wow. you know
1: money you now tied up. So right. was, that's what I was going to say. Is I mean that that classic and a different industry, but that classic example as of late of you know the the big box stores, you know, having way too much inventory, and that's the, you know you mm-hmm. you just because sometimes you just don't know how to how to judge perhaps, and, right. and you've got to like you said, it's that fine line of fine balance. I would imagine that it's not easy day to day. No, no. Yeah. I mean the word forecast is like <laughs> something
2: we talk about all day long. It's yeah. Like, Let's help us, help us forecast mm-hmm. the business, un- mm-hmm. understand demand. And um, luckily, like, uh, especially on the synthetic paper side, mm-hmm. it's contract-based, right? Mm-hmm. So that allows us to manage it a little bit better because you understand the demand people have, but you also have to meet that demand. And and so, so th- that's just challenging just to, you know, to get the product in because yeah. there has been, you know, chemical shortages and, you know, we, we're reworking the... The top coats and, and the proprietary stuff we put onto the mm-hmm. paper um, in order for the print to day. So, like you, you might not be able to get one chemical. So, but it's like baking a cake, and all of a sudden you take out the egg. So, how are you gonna how are you gonna substitute it, and how is it gonna affect the overall right. you know formula? So, mm-hmm. so 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 there's been a lot of challenges to overcome. And uh, and and obviously being things being made in Germany, you know, you just hope this thing in Ukraine kind of stops soon. Mm. You know, fingers crossed, um, because, you know, the cost of electricity, manufacturing is going to, you know, it's going to be a cold winter. So, you know, what's that going to look like? So we're trying to get things over here as fast as possible and trying to avoid,
1: you know, January and February. So Um, I want to ask maybe a fun question. Uh, Sure. Not that all of this is learning isn't fun, but maybe this, um, just to give our our listeners an even better sense of some of the, the things that your products are involved in. Can you talk about maybe some of the most interesting, um, applications of the, the papers and the things that you use, you know, or that we, I kind of alluded to maps earlier, but what are some other things that some of your, you know, maybe end users are making with the products that you're producing?
2: Yeah, so, so um, we're doing a lot of menus uh, for people. Um, so if you go in, there's a, a plastic menu that can be washed or sanitized. Oh, That's our, our product, like I mentioned before, temporary license plates, mm-hmm. um, baggage tags, um, uh, you know, um, okay. lumber tags or hunting, mm-hmm. you know, hunting licenses and things that are, that are exposed to water. Um,
0: that's one of the things that I love when I talk to manufacturers is that there's so many things in life we take for granted, right? right. Like The menu you pick <laughs> up, the temporary tags you got put on your yeah. car, and you forget. Someone's making that, yeah. and that someone is Relico here in Dover, which yeah. exactly. so is great. So and
2: like cool. I said, you know the products aren't necessarily like flashy mm-hmm. but but they're needed right, yes. right. they're necessities for yeah. sure and so. they
1: probably only you know people only uh, realize it's an issue like if they're if they're not available if they're gone it's like oh, yeah. well how come i can't get you know that same hunting license product or why does, why does this paper feel different than it used to? Or yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Before we wrap today, I have uh, another question for you. We you've talked a lot about, you know, you're leading this business, you know, into the future, the B Corp and, and taking care of your employees. Tell us a little bit about your team. You're obviously Dover based. You work with a contract manufacturer in Germany, but um, how big is your team and what's your team like in, in Dover and are there other locations that you've got as well?
2: Sure. Um, We have about 35 people in Dover. That's kind of our our sales administration headquarters. Uh, We have a few people who work from home and um, across the U.S., Mm -hmm. which, you know, COVID has kind of proven that people can kind of work anywhere, which is great Mm because it allows us to get, you know, different talent across the country, which which is wonderful. And then we have um, a few of our main warehouses. We have a warehouse in Portland, Maine. Uh, One in New Jersey and another one in Dallas. Oh, nice. So we kind of cover the country that way through our distribution network. So, you know, it it works pretty well.
1: Very cool.
0: One of the things that's come out as, you know, we've listened to you talk about the company um, is that um, yours seems to be a a story, both of yourself and the company, of transition and change and evolution. And so, you know, we've heard about, um, you know, a family business that's... uh, transition to a second generation. Uh, we've talked about a paper company that has found new products to keep up with the times and a company that's going through a major um, internal uh, investigation into it, it's, its own processes and culture and becoming a B corporation. Um, change, even great change though, comes with its challenges. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced even as you've managed to evolve the company and how have you overcome them?
2: Yeah, I mean, not everyone likes change, right? It's hard. So, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so um, you know, you know, I think changing the products is probably easier because, um, you know, we definitely have a demand strategy. So we look at where the demand is, and then we try to have products that fit within that market. Is you know, at one time we had a product strategy, which is kind of you build a product, and then you find someone who wants it, right? right. So, which is not as good, I guess. I mm-hmm. guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, so, so, and, and so, we've really, as we change, we've been really focused on demand, finding, you know, we're really into the industrial B two B space, finding areas that can use our products, whether it's window manufacturers or DMVs or, you know, the U.S. military, and and, and going after and going deep and narrow within those markets. Uh, with the change, you know, really, you know, some of the challenge, you know, challenge internally. Is we had to make sure we had the right team, right? Mm. So we we went from a very, you know, you know, family business oriented, where people were there just doing their job, and and they really, and and we needed people to start to think different, start pushing the envelope, help us change, and and you know the the ways that we were doing business weren't going to support us going forward. So so we had hard decisions to make, you know. So some of the things we had to do is thank people for their service and. And you know, and say, you know, the company's kind of outgrown you from from your skills. You know, we're willing to train, we're willing to help, mm-hmm. but if it's not going to work, then we have to bring in different people. So mm-hmm. we've really brought in a different team that has um, more energy, um, who kind of kind of can see the, the future, and it's really propelling us uh, towards that. So you know, it, it's been it's been a tough transition. Um, you know, you know, obviously we've made a few mistakes along the way. Um, and you know, and I think coming back off COVID, and 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 finding that right balance, that work versus home balance, was important because that really uh, impacted the um, overall morale of everybody. So, and I think we have you know two days in the office, three days home um, mm-hmm. for right now. Uh, and people are happy with it. And the team comes together. We do a lot of team building, a lot of you know, communications on Mondays and Tuesdays. And then the rest of the week, people kind of go home and, and do their job, right?
1: So so it, it ends up working pretty well. Got it. Got it. Um, before we wrap, I want to ask a, a little bit of a retrospective question perhaps for you. But um, your father, as we established, of course, started the business. Um but what is it in in life and in work? Those le- maybe some of the most important lessons that he's taught you that stick with you that you're still using to to do the work you're doing. Just a tough question. Yeah, you know, so that's that's a, that's a big one. Well, you know,
2: obviously it's it's, it's compassion, empathy, right? Mm. You know, and, and giving back. And if you if you're if you have the ability to give back, you should, right? Nice. So, and I think that's important. Another thing we always talk about is good news, bad news, no news. Mm. Um, If you're gonna tell somebody to call them at noon, even if you don't have the answer, call them at noon and say, I'm still working on it. Mm -hmm. So it's communication, you know, so that's a really big key, you know, because don't don't leave people guessing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're upfront and you communicate with everybody, let them know what you're thinking, whether they wanna hear hear it or not, um, you know, that's a big step in the right direction. And what else? No, I, I, <laughs> what else, Dad? I, yeah. Well, you know, you know, there's a lot of lessons. You know, I, yeah. I think seeing him and and seeing the grind and seeing hard work, I I think that's a lesson in itself mm. because things don't come easy. You know, I mean, you know, everything's an incremental change. Like if you can move the needle half a degree,
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's progress, right? And I think sometimes people think it's easy and it's, you know, it's that big swing, I'm going to hit a home run. No, it's a, it's a lot of... It's a lot of singles, you know, it's a lot of, you know, you know, very small step forward and over time will make a big difference. So, you know, I think it's, it's that daily grind and, 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 and and that willingness to get up and
1: work hard every day. Wow. Awesome. Well, um, thank you for getting up and working hard every day in that realm. And um, Bruce Steinberg is owner and CEO of Dover-based Relico. Thank you so much for joining us and, and uh, helping us learn a little bit today, too. Well, well thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. Awesome. Thanks a lot.
0: And now the buzz. In the November issue of Business New Hampshire magazine, we have a story about asset liability and Mm. what businesses need to do to protect themselves.
1: Yes, this is um, this is a big one. And it's something that, um, you know, in the in Cardinal, we deal with in every small business in Growing Granite Media Group and forming that um, we certainly are, you know, uh, thinking about it as well, but sort of managing risk and understanding Risks, but also we know, uh, as we've said this before, we know what we we don't know what we don't know, right? And we know what we don't know in some cases, so we're able to sort of find the right team members. Is that the lawyer, the 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 insurance agent to kind of talk through? These guys are professionals and experts and experienced in these industries, and we need to talk through with them what our business is you know, what? It, what and, and determine what some of these, these uh, risk factors are and protect ourselves against them.
0: Right. As business owners and executives, often we're focused on the growth plan, the business plan <laughs> and executing right. on that. Uh, and sometimes what gets left to the side is what do you do when things go wrong? Um, and have you got the protections in place that you need to make sure your business can move forward when something happens? And so that's the focus of this article is talking about making sure you are working with your advisors to come up with that plan and making sure you have the insurance in place that you need, the policies and procedures in place so that your business can carry on when things go the wrong way. Exactly, exactly. And and
1: again, it is building that right team that can really help with every corner of your business, especially minimizing risk and preparing you in the event that there is a risk situation.
0: And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Maury,
1: And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.